We welcome you to the We Love Arabian Horses podcast. We host multiple opportunities to learn more about the Arabian horse breeds shared for horse lovers of all ages. Contact us if you'd like to learn more about sponsor opportunities. We Love Arabian Horses is pleased to publish our community cookbook. We would love to include you and your best recipe and sponsorship as a long-term keeper in our community. For your chance to be included in the cookbook from the kitchens of Arabian horse enthusiasts, visit weloveArabianHorses.com slash cookbook to learn more. That's weloveArabianHorses.com slash cookbook to submit your recipe or become a sponsor. Deadline to submit is August 31st, 2021, so make sure to get your recipes in. Hello and welcome to the We Love Arabian Horses podcast. I'm Lakin Snyder and today we will be speaking with Nancy Morton, the Vice President of the Central Texas Arabian Horse Association. Hi, Nancy. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So we want to start the podcast out with asking about you. How did you yourself get started with the Arabian horse? Yes. Well, let's see. I was obsessed with horses since I first saw one when I was three years old. And from the time I could talk, had been begging for horseback riding lessons or just any way to be in touch with horses. So in third grade, through some friends of mine at school, my parents arranged when they realized that the obsession was not going to go away, <laughs> finally, they arranged for some lessons with Lori Ragland. And at that time, she was Raby Arabian still. This was way back in like the early 90s. And I had my first lesson then and just caught the fever. Ever since then, it was my main passion in life. I am so grateful to Lori. She taught me how to ride. And beyond that, she taught all of us all aspects of horsemanship. So, for example, we would have to saddle our own horses, catch our own horses, lunge them, wrap their legs, wash them. Even at shows, we were washing our own horses and cleaning all of our own tack. All of that really kind of shaped how I grew up in the Arabian horse world. And um, then after that, when I was probably 14, moved on to Tamar Arabians when Sandy Bentley was there and finished out my youth career with them. So got started pretty early. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we're going to go ahead and move into your role as the vice president of the Central Texas Arabian Horse Association. How did that come about? I was really looking for a way to stay involved with Arabians. After I graduated from college and I was no longer a youth competitor, we sold my horse, and I basically spent the next several years of my life, probably really like 15 years, building a career so that I could come back to the Arabian industry and actually afford my own horses. And when I, when I did come back, I wanted to find another way to contribute and give back, especially to this club, the Central Texas Arabian Horse Club. I grew up in this club. I've been a youth member since I was seven and then, of course, an adult member. So uh, at that time, I was asking around for ways to contribute, and it just so happened that in 2018, they had an opening on the board and asked me to fill it, and I jumped at the chance. That's so awesome. That's amazing. So can you um, answer some questions about these open shows, these all-breed open shows that the Central Texas Arabian Horse Association puts on? Um, Do you know about how long that they have been doing these shows? Longer than I can possibly remember. I believe they've been going even since before I was born. And I wish I had a definitive answer about that, but I was born in 81, and I know that they were having the shows in the early 80s. So this has been going on for a long time. There's a long tradition here with the open shows for Central Texas Arabian Horse Club. Back then, they were called mini shows. 
And recently they started being called open shows when we changed our name to Central Texas Arabian Horse Association instead of club several years ago. So it has been going on for a long time. Now, when I joined the board in 2017, I want to correct myself because earlier I said 18, but it was actually 2017, we were in a really unique position. Um, I remember one of the first meetings we had, unfortunately, was truly to sit down and decide, okay, do we need to disband this club or what can we do? Because we had just, we didn't have much money in the bank. We had lost a lot of members. I think it's really just a result of the local economy and and really beyond that, I can't, I don't even know what to attribute it to. And I really credit Russ Taylor, our president at the time, and Linda McCright. They had an idea to open up our open shows, which had previously been, you know, open just for Arabians, and make them all breed shows and invite other horse members of the community who showed quarter horses or paints or whatever it might be to come and participate with us. And since 2017, making that change, we have seen our shows explode, basically. And not only that, we've been able to bring so many more outsiders in to get exposure to the Arabian horse and fall in love with the Arabians, too. Absolutely. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. Can you tell me about how many shows per year you had before COVID and then now with COVID? Yes. So pre-COVID, we always had four shows a year generally one in the spring, one in the summer, a Halloween show, and then a Christmas show. Of course, when COVID hit, we had a show right before COVID hit in, in like, I want to say that was March 2020. So we had a show in February, and then we had a show planned for July of that year, and it, we canceled it in response to COVID, and we just couldn't, you know, a lot of people didn't feel comfortable coming to the show. So we did cancel. And then we did have a show last September, so about a year ago now, uh, September 26, 2020, and we had 63 entries at that show. So then this year, we have again, we have three shows planned. We had one in May. We're about to have another one, um, October 16th, our spectacular Halloween show. And that's going to be it for this year. So we've definitely seen some scheduling issues, you know, working with our facility. They had so many events cancel and then reschedule. So we haven't been able to get on a solid schedule with our four shows a year that we did previously. But that's definitely something we're working back towards. Awesome. Awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about how you and the other members of the board have designed these shows for success? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And, and they have evolved so much over the years, right? Of course, growing up in the club and seeing what we did then versus what we're doing now. Um, definitely, again, opening it up to all breeds, bringing in all those additional members of the horse community and their spectators, you know, their friends and family that they bring. That's been a huge success because not only does the Arabian horse get more exposure that way. For example, our last show, we had a native costume class, and I can't tell you the, the sighs and gasps, you know, that came from the crowd watching as our one of our members galloped in in her Arabian costume. And it, it provokes them to ask all these questions about the history and heritage of the Arabian horse. And, you know, little kids are asking, Mom, I want to get a costume like that. I want to run around the arena like that. So that's been a huge success. Um, and in addition to that, it's really been about learning how to increase our sponsorships so we haven't nailed that yet, but we have a big sponsorship program we're going to roll out 
in January of next year that's going to incorporate not only sponsoring classes, but you know, having folks have their banners on our website, having staff t-shirts that we wear at shows when we are working them that have all of our sponsors' logos on the back, having booths for our sponsors. They can have representatives you know, talk to people at the shows if that's something that's appropriate for them. So that, that's another way we have increased success of the shows. And besides that, really just your basic social media marketing. That's something, although it's been around for a long time now, for CTAHA, it's something we're you know, very new at and just dipping our feet into. So for example, partnering with the facility we have these shows at, because they're such a large facility and they have such a wide range of equestrian events, they have a huge audience and a huge market that they can promote to. So we work with them to create an online event and we give them our show poster and things for them to circulate. They post it to their page and I mean we'll get hundreds of likes and inquiries and we'll notice then that the signups for our newsletter on our website increase and it's a result of them broadcasting our events. And so we have tried to learn from that and do a lot more posts from our own page and share information about the shows, post our patterns very early, post our schedule very early. So for the October 16th show, we posted that information I think two or three weeks ago. And that just gives people time to really read through it, get excited, share it with their friends, and builds momentum up to the show. That is amazing. And you kind of already answered this question, but in case you want to elaborate a little bit, how have y'all attracted the non-Arabian exhibitors to your show? Yeah, it's really just um, marketing on social media. And, you know, I, I take that back. It's not just marketing on social media. It's taking the time to forge relationships with other trainers or community, equestrian community leaders in our area. So there is uh, Paul Cates, for example, is a saddlebred trainer way north Austin. I believe it was Russ and Linda a few years ago met him and began to foster that relationship with him and just said, hey, we have these open shows. We are about to open them up to all breeds, not just Arabians. We would love for your Saddle Seat Academy to come participate. How can we entice you to come down? And Paul said, you know what? You guys add some academy classes to your schedule. We'll be there. I've got 20 horses I can bring. I've got 10 kids preparing for all these shows. We definitely need a practice show. And so, and, and there's other trainers like that we've worked with too. So we also offer a lot of ranch riding classes now and stock horse pleasure classes that we didn't focus on before. And Arabians can enter all of our classes. We still absolutely cater to the Arabian horse. But these other breeds can enter classes like that too. And in working with those people to learn, you know, what kind of patterns they need or like and what kind of classes they want, just builds that relationship and and by now I would consider them friends. You know, they come to every show, they really look forward to it and they invite their friends and family. Absolutely. So you said a little bit about the ranch riding and some other classes you have. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, classes you offer for the Arabians as well as the non Arabians? Yes. So that would definitely be the the ranch riding, stock horse pleasure Raining, short stirrup raining is a new one we've added this year. And we, of course, have the classics, you know, Western Pleasure, Hunter Pleasure, Western Horsemanship. So those are all classes that are open to all breeds. We also have halter classes open to all breeds, both Arabians and non-Arabians. And then we do have our Arabian-specific classes, such as the Native Costume, which is specific to Arabians. Um, we are 
for our October 16th show, it is, we're calling it the Spooktacular because it is a Halloween show. So we have added back the Liberty class, which is, of course, a classic favorite Arabian class where we let them loose and let them present themselves in all their Arabian glory and run around the ring and, and do as they please and show off. So that is an Arabian-only class that we'll be having. But we will also, at this show coming up, be having a Halloween costume class. So that's, of course, for all breeds. And costume for both yourself and your horse is required. Um, and then, again, you know, when we do have Paul Case or other saddle seat, saddle bread, excuse me, folks in the community coming, we'd be sure to add the academy classes. So that's going to be junior saddle seat, equitation academy class, or academy walk trot. Um, we also will offer saddle seat five gated for them if they are coming. Oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. So we're going to switch gears just a little bit again. Can you tell me, like, how you guys keep the budget down for profitability for the club? Yes, and I wouldn't, just to be fully transparent, I don't think that is a huge um, strategy <laughs> that we have at the moment. We we really just know our budget and be sure that we stick within those confines. So we just have an amazing chef and a great relationship with him that we can always bring him in to provide our catering and the concession stand. Uh, we have just recently increased the prices of our classes and sponsorships, which before anyone gets alarmed, I think it's important to note that I don't think that they have been increased since the 80s. So classes went up from $5 to $10. And oh, sponsorships, yeah, actually, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. Sponsorships went up from $5 to $10 a class, and classes went up from $10 to $15 a class. So that we're looking forward to that added benefit, of course, because, you know, sometimes, depending on the amount of horses we're able to get, sometimes we do just break even, which is great because we want to, Really, this is for the community and just to give everyone a chance to be together and all of us revel in the enjoyment of our horses together. But as a club, we do also want to make money because we want to be able to offer things like scholarships for our youth or, or perhaps another Class A show someday or host clinics. And all of that comes from the money we make from these shows. So uh, again, things like increasing the pricing just a little bit. And I think the sponsorship program we're going to add next year is going to be a big help as well. Well, Nancy, this all sounds so amazing, and I'm so excited. I will be at the October show, and I'm really looking forward to it. Can't wait. I know. It's going to be so fun. Um, so, you know, we're going to go ahead and have to wrap everything up. So, um, Nancy, thank you so much for being on this podcast with me today. Can you give everyone a good email address to reach you with any questions? Yes, absolutely. Hang on. Let me pull that up because I'm going to give this CTHA email address. And I'm going to make Perfect. Sure I yes, ma'am. Correct. All right. Yes, it's Central Texas AHA, which of course stands for Arabian Horse Association. So Central Texas AHA at gmail.com. Sounds perfect. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, thank for you listening. So much. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thanks again for listening today and watch for our upcoming podcasts. We Love Arabian Horses is an ambassador community that promotes Arabian horses with fellow horse lovers globally. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more like it, make sure to subscribe to We Love Arabian Horses on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. To share ideas for topics and guests with us, and to learn more about sponsorship opportunities, 
send us an email to hello at weloveArabianHorses.com.